British Columbia to clamp down on posting intimate images without consent. Man charged in connection with a 17-year-old cold case of death of Indigenous woman. Ottawa seeks another pause on the expansion of medical assistance in dying for those with mental illnesses alone. National Muslim Organization cancels meeting with Justin Trudeau over Gaza in action. And Israeli government ministers speak at a far-right conference calling for settlements to be built in Gaza. Good morning. It's Tuesday, January 30th. I'm Nora, and here are your headlines. We start this morning in British Columbia, where a new act has come into force to help remove intimate images posted online without consent and hold perpetrators accountable. CBC's Chad Pawson explains that starting this week, residents who've had their images posted without approval online will be able to apply through the BC Civil Resolution Tribunal to have the photos, videos, or deepfakes quickly removed and then even receive compensation. According to the story, BC is the ninth province in Canada to draft and enact what's known as the Intimate Images Protection Act. The invasion of privacy and dignity is an ongoing problem across the country, explains Pawson. The Canadian Centre for Child Protection says millions of cases of suspected child sexual abuse material on sites such as Facebook, Instagram, TikTok and Pinterest are flagged each year. Yesterday, Premier David Eby said fake AI-generated images of Taylor Swift that went viral over the weekend underscored the need for these types of protections. Quote, if Taylor Swift is not immune from this, certainly British Columbians are not. Unquote. The act requires perpetrators to destroy the images and remove them from the internet, search engines, and all forms of electronic communication. It also covers threats to distribute intimate images. The penalties are $500 per day up to a maximum of $10,000 for individuals and $5,000 per day up to a maximum of $100,000 for internet intermediaries. The tribunal can also award damages to victims of up to $5,000 for harm caused by having the images online without consent. Next, We'll stay in British Columbia and to Vancouver. A Vancouver man has been charged in connection with a nearly 17-year-old cold case in the death of an Indigenous woman whose body was found near the Lake Manitoba community of St. Ambroise. RCMP said they arrested Kevin Charles Quo, 42, with second-degree murder in connection with the death of Crystal Shannon Saunders. Catherine Dow for CTV explains that Saunders was 24 when she was last seen in the late evening hours of April 18, 2007. She was getting into a vehicle in Winnipeg's West End. Her body was discovered the following day by an off-duty police officer in a shallow ditch near St. Ambroise. At a news conference on Monday, RCMP officers did not say how Saunders died. According to them, DNA was found on Saunders' remains, and the DNA got a hit on the National DNA databank and linked the murder to Quo. RCMP says Quo's DNA was obtained as a result of previous convictions of other offenses from outside Manitoba. In a news release, the Southern Chiefs organization expressed gratitude to all those who dedicated themselves to finding answers for Saunders' family. 
Dow quotes SEO Grand Chief Jerry Daniels saying this, quote, I send my condolences and prayers to all those who loved Crystal Shannon Saunders. I'm especially thinking of her daughter today, unquote. However, Daniels notes that there's still so much more work that needs to be done to protect Indigenous women. He once again called for the implementation of the 231 calls for justice from the National Inquiry into Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women and Girls final report. Quote, we must work towards creating a safer society for our women, girls, two-spirit, and gender-diverse people. SCO mourns the loss of Crystal Saunders, and we anticipate that our killer will face justice. Unquote. Big news now on Ottawa's plans to expand medical assistance in dying, or MAID. The government has announced that it will not expand MAID for people whose sole illness is mental illness, as has been previously promised. The CBC's Darren Major reports that this is the second time the government has sought to delay an expansion of MAID since the Superior Court of Quebec struck down the government's original 2016 MAID legislation. They did that on the basis that it was too limited to be restricted to those whose deaths were reasonably foreseeable. Health Minister Mark Holland and Justice Minister Arif Virani made the announcement yesterday arguing that Canada's health system is not ready for the expansion. Major quotes the health minister as saying, quote, it's clear from the conversations that we've had that the system is not ready and we need more time, unquote. After hearing from dozens of witnesses, including psychiatrists, the committee released a report Monday concluding that Canada is not ready for such an expansion. It's important to note that it isn't necessarily the case the government must expand made because the courts said that they need to. A superior court ruling, first of all, could go to the Supreme Court, but there's also limits to what is permissible and what Canadian society will accept if it becomes not constitutional to allow one segment of the population assisted suicide and not another segment of the population just because one has a grievance medical condition and the other one does not, all of a sudden we've got court cases determining that everyone in Canada, regardless of any situations at all, should have the right to access state-assisted suicide. I mean, that's ridiculous, I think, but it's the logic, actually, of these decisions saying that it needed to be broader than just people whose lives are reasonably foreseeable or that we need a better definition of what that actually means. Health Canada reported that 13,241 people received made in 2022. That was a 31.2% jump over 2021. And 44,958 people have received MAID since it was introduced in 2016. Some psychiatrists and mental health advocates have argued that factors such as poverty and limited access to quality care will push vulnerable people into MAID. They say that before expanding MAID, these serious issues must be addressed so that vulnerable people with serious mental health issues have real freedom of choice. And we're still dealing with the aftermath that MAID is more allowed to be prescribed or suggested or encouraged for someone who has a disability than giving them the social supports that they need, like accessible housing, quality food, and the medical care that they might need. Next, a major Muslim advocacy group has canceled a meeting with Prime Minister Justin Trudeau over his response to the war on Gaza and rising Islamophobia. Stephen Brown, the head of the National Council of Canadian Muslims, or the NCCM, was meant to meet with Trudeau yesterday on the National Day of Remembrance of the Quebec City Mosque attack and action against Islamophobia. Gillian Kessler Damour for Al Jazeera reports that Brown cited Canada's response to last week's ICJ decision as, quote, the straw that broke the camel's back, unquote. 
The UN's top court ruled that allegations Israel is committing genocide in Gaza were plausible and ordered the Israeli government to take interim measures to prevent genocidal acts. Canada issued a statement taking note of the decision, but did not urge Israel to abide by the measures. Brown explains, quote, that for us, it was an indication that the government has no intention to actually holding Israel to account when international bodies render decisions that would force them to stop the war, unquote. Ottawa has taken a frankly ridiculous position related to this case. They've said that they support the court, but not necessarily the premise of the case brought by South Africa against Israel. And Trudeau has refused to say whether that means he rejected the case or whether Ottawa will respect whatever ruling the court eventually makes. But their actions are pretty clear. They don't obviously respect the decision because they just announced that they will not give more funding to UNRWA, the United Nations agency that coordinates aid and relief within Palestine. If they were supporting the ruling, if they were supporting the court, they would also consider banning arms sales to Israel. Anyway, this is a big deal as the NCCM has traditionally been very close to the Liberals. Indeed, the straw that has broken the camel's back. I wonder how Trudeau is reacting to that today. It's also worth mentioning that he was booed outside of a mosque where he attended a vigil for the shooting commemoration last night. And at the vigil in Quebec City, Palestine was a big part of our activities. In fact, we made a special invitation to the Consul General of Palestine to Canada to make sure she was in attendance. There was no shortage of attention paid to Palestine and to the need for solidarity. And there was even one person who protested the event yelling at Jean-Yves Duclos, federal minister for procurement and local member of parliament, for being present, considering his government's record. Turning now to the latest on the war on Gaza, Al Jazeera's Hamda Salhut is reporting that Israeli ministers and settlers spoke at a far-right conference which called for the government to rebuild illegal settlements in Gaza. France, Germany, and the United States have all condemned the event at which Israeli ministers danced and celebrated. Families of the captives slammed this conference, saying that the ministers who they accused of quote-unquote dancing on the blood of 136 Israelis who are still being held inside of Gaza. John Kirby from the White House told reporters that the language used by government ministers was quote, irresponsible, reckless, and incendiary, unquote, and that quote, we've made clear there can be no reduction in Gaza, unquote. The U.S.'s hand-wringing over the conference is meaningless unless the superpower uses its considerable leverage to rein in Israel, which they won't, of course. The Biden administration seems totally unwilling to use their leverage, even at the expense of their own political careers. Those are your headlines for Tuesday, January 30th. I'm Nora. It is Tuesday. It's Sandy and Nora Day. We dive deep into the ICJ decision, Canada's reaction, and Canada's decision to defund or to not increase funding to UNRWA. It will be out in a couple of hours and you won't want to miss it. You are listening to this podcast at sandyandnora.com on the Real News Network podcast feed and anywhere you get your podcasts. Production assistance with this episode this morning from Mary Newman. I will talk to you tomorrow.